Hello and welcome back to our series on experiencing God in the small group. Uh, today we're going to cover two lessons, lessons 8 and 9. Uh, these two lessons are going to flow together kind of nicely. We're going to be talking about the sources of knowledge for lesson 8, and then we're going to be talking a little bit about Hebrew and Greek uh, in lesson 9. So we're just going to merge the two together uh, since we took a little bit of time off for Resurrection Day. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to get into these. I think you're going to pick up some some interesting stuff, and I think that you're going to walk away, uh, hopefully, with with something to think about. So let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our content. Heavenly Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we do come before you, and we thank you, Lord God, for all that you do. We thank you, Father, that we can come into your presence. Father, whether we're joined together physically or even just in spirit and in truth, Lord, we can come together and, and just be with you. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that as we cover these topics, Lord God, that you would reveal something in our hearts that, that you have yet to reveal to us, Lord, that we would learn something new, something fresh from the Holy Spirit, the resident teacher. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint the ears and the hearts of those who are listening, Father, to be receptive and to take something away, Lord God, that they're not hearing my voice, but Father, that they are hearing your voice as I teach. Father, that you would be the instructor, that you would be the one that leads, guides, and directs them, Father. And I pray all of this in the name of Christ Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. Lesson 8. The sources of knowledge. There are two sources of knowledge, and maybe you're going to think that this is a little too simple, but this is the truth. There's only two sources of knowledge, and we can say it this way. We can say there's the source from above, and there's the source of below, or we can be blunt and say two sources of knowledge are God and Satan, all right? Um, So we obviously know that God is almighty, all-authoritative, all-wise, all-knowing. But we also know that for everything God is, for everything that God offers, Satan offers a counterfeit. Not a replica, not, not an, you know, not, not an exact, um, presentation of what God has offered, but something that looks the same, sounds the same, but isn't because it's full of dishonesty. It's full of deceit. It's full of, of bitterness and evil and strife, all the evil things. So there's only two sources of knowledge. It's either coming from God or it's coming from Satan. All right. When we look at, uh, knowledge in scripture, one of the biggest, uh, scriptures that we come to is 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. In the first half of the verse it says this, study to show thyself approved. And we take that as acquiring knowledge, okay? Uh, Oftentimes when we are going through schooling um, or, you know, maybe preparing a Bible lesson, we'll, we'll come back to that verse and say, well, the Word of God says study to show thyself approved. And so, I'm studying and I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to gain gain some knowledge here. But that particular uh, verse, actually, when you take it back to original language, and this is how uh, Lesson 9 is going to tie in kind of nicely. When you go back to original Greek, that Greek word that, that, that is translated study actually means this, be diligent. 
And so when you correctly translate that verse, you say, be diligent and show thyself approved. It's not about hitting the books. It's not about how much you can read in the small amount of time. It's not about uh, do, 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 and learn, learn, learn. But it's about being diligent. It's about what? True knowledge. There's only one source of true knowledge, and that's God. So if we're going to say be diligent to show thyself approved, what does that mean? That means we want to step into the presence of God every time that we need knowledge. All right? To be diligent. Diligently seek the Lord and say, Father, I need you to reveal this to me. I need you to shed light on this. I need you to teach me. Okay? We serve a faithful God who is powerful and willing to do exactly that, to teach us. Okay? Um... When, when you look at the word study in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, you're going to come to this word that's called meditation. And meditation and study are going to be uh, together in the Strong's. And you're going to find that meditation then boils down even a little bit deeper and this is where things start get interesting, start to get interesting because so many people take meditation and they want to view it as a as a secular thing. But meditation, if you do it correctly, is not secular, um, but it's spiritual in the good way. Uh, sometimes even there, there's even a secular zone to the quote unquote spiritual when people are wanting to be spiritual, but they're playing with demonic spirits. But when you look at study uh, in biblical context, the word is meditation. And, and so when we meditate on the things that God is teaching us, what's it look like? And so what I want to do is I want to kind of describe to you the meditation process. So if you look at a verse and you want to truly meditate on it, You want to just take a moment and say, okay, God, I've read this verse and now I need deeper clarification. And so sometimes you have to close your eyes to get that, that good meditation flow going. And so you close your eyes and you begin to use your imagination for the glory of God and you begin to see in your mind's eye that scripture played out that you just read. Okay, and that's going to cause you to continue to ask God, continue, Lord, to show me what that means. What's that? That's praying. Okay, and and believe it or not, that's a two-way prayer because you are asking something of God and he's giving back by, by playing this out before you, okay? And sometimes people will uh, even begin to maybe talk to themselves. Now we've talked about reasoning and the difference between anointed reasoning and basic self-reasoning. And sometimes when we talk to ourselves, we're quote unquote thinking out loud. But as we speak to ourselves, we meditate because are we really just speaking to ourselves or are we speaking to God too? And so we begin to ponder these things. And, and we think about pondering, and what does that mean? Well, it means that you're not maybe, you're maybe not actively thinking about it, 
but it's in the back of your mind. And so when you, when you come to that place of, uh, just stillness, it just, it just comes back. You're pondering that, um, you, you move forward from it, but it's still there. It's still cycling through your mind. Okay. Uh, and that, that's what biblical study looks like. There's meditation when it comes to biblical study. When you're preparing a Bible lesson, when you're just reading for, you know, edification of yourself, you, you take notes and you write them out and you highlight and you underline and you think about the things that you're reading and, and you underscore and say, you know, I, I think that, I think I'm getting this. You, you begin to see in your mind how it all lines up and, and you start to make connections. That's the process. That's the result of the process of meditation. Okay. Now, this is what is really important for us to get a grip on. Where our hearts are fixed is where our meditation is. Okay? What does that mean? That, that Maybe that sounds a little too metaphorical for you. But, you see, the scripture teaches us this. Where your heart is, there your treasure is also, right? But where our heart is, that's where our meditation is. And so we know that scripture instructs us to allow the mind of Christ Jesus to be within us. We know that we are instructed to put on Christ. We know that we are instructed to think on things that are what? Lovely, good report, true, honest, good. You know, these things. And so if if we are walking scripturally minded and we have our hearts set on Christ then we're going to meditate on Christ, right? And so whatever whatever is on your heart, that's going to become what you meditate on. If you if you are uh, and don't take this offensively, but if you are a naturally downcast person, then perhaps you are thinking on sad things. Um if you are erring toward a slight depression, it might help you to think think a little bit and say, okay, God, where do I have my heart fixed? Why am, why am I becoming downcast? Why am I getting um, a little bit depressed? I need to, I need, I need to do something here and, and show me, Lord, what it is that I need to do. I, I don't know what it is, but I know I need something, okay? And, and allow the Lord to speak to you. Allow him to lead you so that you can fix your eyes and your heart on him and allow him to become your meditation. Where our meditation is then, there is our source of knowledge. We talked about that just a minute ago. Two sources of knowledge, God or Satan. And so if if your heart is fixed on something that isn't godly, then your meditation is set on something ungodly and therefore Satan would become your source of knowledge but if your heart is fixed on things above then your meditation is set on things above and then your source of knowledge becomes God amen and and so that's really important for us uh, to kind of get a grip on because we have to know 
how to how to posture our hearts in daily life and it can be difficult i I would be the first one to tell you it can be really difficult to keep that posture of the heart to say okay i need to reroute my mindset i i see that i'm walking down a path that's not the most healthy and so i'm going to reroute my mindset right now and I'm going to channel the Holy Ghost. And I, I'm just going to I'm just gonna be with him for a moment. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to uh, sing his praise. I'm going to speak in tongues. Whatever it is that, that brings you into that place. And that, that, that moment of fixing your heart back on Jesus changes your source of knowledge, will change the outcome of whatever situation you're in. Okay, and, and like I said, I will not stand before you and tell you that I'm perfect at this. I will stand before you and tell you it takes work. There are days that come and go that you have to stand up and say, God, get a grip on me. I don't know what I'm doing here. I, my, my mind is just in too many places. And so whatever it is, if it's, if it's praise and worship, turn it on. If it's speaking in tongues, turn it on. Whatever it takes for you to get in the presence of God and fix your heart on Him, that's what you have to do in every moment so that God is always your source of knowledge. And here is our scripture that we're going to close Lesson 8 with before we move into Lesson 9. Matthew 6 and 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Moving into lesson nine then, uh, I wanna wanna try to keep this lesson at at the half hour mark, so I'm gonna kind of move through this, uh, hopefully in about 15 minutes. In, In scripture, we can easily identify two languages. And in the Old Testament, we tend to identify Hebrew, In the New Testament, we tend to identify Greek. Now, this is what's what's really important for us. Each language reveals differences in the ways that things are taught, okay? Um, If you know me, if you've listened to a lot of my teachings, if you've listened to me preach, you know that I am not as strong in Greek as I am in Hebrew. Uh, I've, I've always kind of taken to the Hebrew language uh, throughout my studies. I specifically spent time studying the Hebrew language as was used uh, in the writing of scripture. And, and so that's, that's more so my area of focus as opposed to the Greek. However, it's important as I even come to scripture to know that the, the way the writing is laid out means something, okay? So here are here are some things that I want to talk about. Um, I'm going to teach you a couple Hebrew and Greek words that, are, that I think are really important to the small group setting. Um, when, you, when you look at a small group setting, you obviously have an opportunity to gain knowledge. You have an opportunity to gain wisdom, gain understanding. And of course, those three come naturally together when you're in the presence of God. And that's what this entire course is about, is experiencing God in the small group. 
Well, there's two words that are that are defined the same in the Hebrew and in the Greek, and they both basically translate and are defined to this, to know through a personal encounter. The Hebrew word is yada, and the Greek word is genosko. And these two words indicate that we have taken the time to to understand someone, to, to really listen. Okay, remember early early in this course we talked about listening and learning. And and so when we look at this, to know something or know someone through a personal encounter, that's our goal in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to know Jesus Christ through a personal encounter. That personal encounter is salvation. Some of us, that personal encounter is more than salvation. It's salvation and deliverance. It's a healing. It's, it's, it's powerful, and, and you just get all excited when you think about it. But we come to know Jesus through a personal encounter. Genosko in the Greek, yada in the Hebrew. Now, as we go through and, and we read through Scripture we see that there are two different types of teaching that are talked about. Now, this is, this is where things get a little deep. So hang with me. When we look at Hebrew teaching versus Greek teaching, there are really strong differences, okay? And it's, it's, it's a, I guess, sort of a cultural thing, I guess, is what I would put as a, as a label on it, it, it would be a cultural difference. But when you look at the Hebrew teaching style versus the Greek teaching style, you look at your small group, you really, really, really want the Hebrew teaching style. Okay? So, two words that mean to teach. The first one in Greek is didaskala. And if you write that out, it, well, it kind of explains itself because you write, did ask, aliyah. Um, so, so you see that there's questioning there. You, you can kind of pick it apart and maybe even guess that might mean to ask or, well, it means to teach. The Hebrew word then is lamad. And so I want to talk about the Greek didasklia first. And, and, and the Greek teaching style is lecture-type learning, okay? So when we see teaching in, written out in Greek and the Greek word didasklia is used, then we know that there's, there's this lecture that's being given. Uh, and, and you kind of put yourself in this great big auditorium in a in a college setting a great big uh, lecture hall and nobody knows each other and the professor is down at the base of of the room um, speaking out teaching and doesn't really matter what the professor says uh, it's it's not really going to affect you you're just gaining head knowledge uh, and, and you hear it, and you take it in, and you take notes, but there's no, there, there's no personal encounter. You don't have the opportunity 
to to know through a personal encounter. So didasclea does not offer genosco, all right? Uh, it, it does not offer you anything but knowledge. Now, Lamad. Lamad is a very unique style of teaching and learning. Lamad is an experiential learning. And in order to to learn the most from a Lamad style teaching is to apply it into a life encounter. Okay? And so this is the Hebrew teaching style. So you look at the way that Jesus taught. Jesus taught in parables. And when Jesus taught in parables, it made sense to the people he was teaching. And so they would then look, say we're, say we're having Jesus talking to the fishermen, and he's talking in the fishermen's lingo. Well, now, when they go out to fish, every time they cast their line, they think about what Jesus said, and they use that life encounter to take something away and say, Aha! What Jesus said makes sense. They have this Lamad experience, and they come to know yada through a personal encounter. Okay, so our focus when we're teaching in a small group or when we're learning in the small group has to be the Lamad encounter. Okay, why? Because when we learn through a life experience, when we go through experiential learning, we learn for a lifetime. These things stick with us. The encounters and the experiences create memories for us. And we can go back to those. And it becomes um, more of a revelation-based learning. So if you look at specifically Bible teaching and learning through the Lamad lens, what you're going to find is that as, as you've learned, as you've had the personal encounter with Jesus, and, and you come and, and you experience these things, you're going to find that God is going to begin to lay things out in front of you. And there are going to be things that you probably didn't even expect to learn, but things are just going to jump out. Things as you experience the, the Lamad-style teaching, things are just going to make sense. They're going to click. Every time you cast your line, something's going to click in that mind and say, Ah, I understand that now. Okay? If, if Jesus was going to teach a parable to a baker, perhaps he might talk about yeast and how a little bit of yeast would leaven an entire lump of bread. Right? And, and so then when the baker is standing in the kitchen and he, go, he goes to reach for the yeast... He thinks about what Jesus taught him, and he says, Okay, now I understand what Jesus was getting at. He had a personal encounter with Jesus, right? And and so it's these personal encounters that lead to revelation in our lives. And when we come to a place of revelation in our lives, we come to a deeper place with Jesus. Okay, so... This is what makes Lamad different from Didasclea. Didasclea is just teaching. But Lamad, when you break it down to original Hebrew meaning, it actually translates to teach, and it also translates to learn. Why? What, what makes that so significant? 
Well, if Lamad is probably what I would consider one of the greatest teaching methods because it requires an experiential life encounter, then get this. In Hebrew, it means to teach and to learn because life is the greatest teacher. As you walk through life, you're taught. Every passing day, you learn something. Life teaches you lessons, right? And and sometimes, yes, it's learning from mistakes. But it teaches you something, and you take something away. And and sometimes, as as you teach, and this is why, uh, as, as a uh, graduate student, I've opted to uh, teach the classes that I've taken because I know that after after the time I've spent. Um, studying and, and learning the information, I know that I will learn more of it. I'll learn it to a deeper extent if I Lamad teach it and then I learn it back. Okay, so as we teach, we also learn. So there's three major principles or three keys to Lamad learning. And, and if, you're, if you're going to lead a small group and you want resources on Lamad-style learning and teaching, uh, don't hesitate to contact me. I can get you in touch with those resources. Three major keys to Lamad-style learning. And there are actually three different encounters. If Lamad, Lamad learning is, is, is all about the encounter and revelation-based learning, then we have to have these three things. We have to have a personal encounter, we have to have a spiritual encounter, and we have to have a life encounter. And maybe it throws you off just a little bit to see personal and life encounter separated. But what what that actually means is we have to we have to have a personal knowledge, a yada experience, a genosco experience in order to Lamad style learn. Okay, so I'm I'm just going to I'm going to take the approach of scriptural teaching and learning. So if I want to teach or learn something that is taught in scripture, in order to have a personal encounter and Lamad learn a scriptural principle, I need to come to God and say, "God, Line me up for a personal encounter on this principle, okay? And and maybe it's, you know, a principle of sowing and reaping. And, and so God sets you up in the next day, in the next week, to sow $100 into uh, your local church or into an evangelist's ministry. And, and so God wants to teach you by personal encounter about the principle of sowing and reaping. And so God sets you up. God opens the door. You follow in obedience. You sow the $100 into the local church or into the evangelist ministry that came to your church or whatever it might be. And five days later, a week later, out of, out of the blue, you get a raise at work or you get... Um, an unexpected check in the mail and you get 
all of what you sowed and then some back. Okay, I, uh, let, me, let me just testify to this. When I was a young man and I was uh, only working part-time, I had very little money, and, and that was okay at the time. I lived at home, um, but, but I, was, I was in a place where I would liked to have had a little more money, and so I had a little business that I ran on the side of my part-time job, and I, I bargained with the Lord, and I said, Father, if you would only open a door uh, for me to, to sow, Teach me the teach me the principle of sowing and reaping. I, I want to know, and and so I I went ahead and I, I prayed about it, and God opened the door for the personal encounter to teach me this process, and I got um, I, I was sitting there watching a televangelist one day, and they said if you want prayer for a financial breakthrough, give us a call. We want to pray for you, and so I called. And when they answered the phone, the guy's name was Eric. And I kind of chuckled and I said, well, hi, Eric, my name's Eric. And I'm calling because I was watching and, and they said, if you're, if you're praying for a financial breakthrough, um, you know, just give us a call. We want to pray for you. And so Eric prayed with me. And folks, I'm here to tell you, I am covered in goosebumps right now testifying to this because this is the truth. Three days after I had prayed with that guy, I got an envelope in the mail with a $1 bill in it from that ministry. And there was a note enclosed and it said, if you don't have anything to sew, just send this $1 bill back. And so I sent very little money back with that $1 bill. Okay, I didn't just send the $1 bill, but I sent very little extra and it was most of what I had and by the end of that week I had $800 back to my bank account and and it, I'm not even kidding you when I say I went from probably $20 um, $20 or maybe even less in my bank account to $800 and sure $800 uh, isn't a lot to most people, but but when you look at, um, you know, I, I was maybe I I think I was about 19 years old, uh, and I was broke as a joke. You know, could hardly afford to put gas in my car to get back to work, and and so God gave me a personal encounter by sending that dollar bill back with the extra couple bucks that I had, and so I had that personal encounter, and I learned that God's word stood true. And because I had that personal encounter, I had a spiritual encounter, okay? Where I was then able to say, thank you, God, because I knew that God provided it. And I knew that God spoke to his word. God would put that that televangelist in front of me that day so that I would experience this. And so I had a spiritual encounter then with the Lord, giving him praise. And I learned from that. And then the life encounter is that it gave me something to testify about. It gave me exactly what I needed to teach this lesson. You know, here we are eight years later, and I can still give that testimony to say, I sowed very little, and I received back enormously. 
and God provided it. And I can tell you this, I learned through life as the teacher. I had a Lamad experience and I didn't even know it. All right. And, and so that's what we have to look at. We want a personal encounter, a spiritual encounter, and a life encounter when we go through Lamad teaching and learning. This is the scripture that I want to close these two lessons with. Beautiful scripture from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1 and verse 7. It says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that's the part that we always want to quote, but this is the part that's probably more important. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So take instruction. Look, seek wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I do pray that you would begin to speak to your children this moment, Lord God, that you would begin to pour out your spirit, Father, and teach them in their heart of hearts whatever it is that they've been studying. Father, that they would be diligent in the moment to seek your face and and to truly want and to hunger for more of you, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that they would find themselves coming back, Lord God, saying, okay, Lord, I've studied this. I've been diligent in in, in the search of your word, and I pray that you would now teach me, oh, Father, through, through a Lamad experience. I pray that you would give me a personal encounter. I pray that you would give me a spiritual encounter, a life encounter, so that I may teach this to my friends, so that I may be a beacon in a dark world, Lord God, to shine your light and to share with others. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would move mightily upon your children. Father, that they would feel the move of your holy presence pushing on them right now, Lord God. And I pray, I continue to pray, Father, that if you are opening the door for one of these people or all of these people to teach in a small group or just to be part of a small group, Father, that they would respond in obedience to your call and that they would move forward, Father, knowing that it is you who is called. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your outpour of blessing upon each one of my brothers and sisters until we meet again. In the name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. Y'all have a wonderful few days. We'll meet back here uh, probably toward the end of the week for Lesson 10. And until then, Y'all take care and God bless. I love y'all. I'm praying for all of you. And if you have any questions, do feel free to reach out. God bless you all. Have a wonderful one. Bye.